Hey guys, welcome to the Cannabis Update Podcast. We give leaders and organizations an opportunity to tell their stories and share information. I just want to make a quick shout out to the people at HempFest Canada. I don't know if you've ever attended a HempFest before, but um, it's been my experience that one, they're fantastic events, they have amazing people there, and even better, the organizers, the people that put these HempFests together are so cool. I have never attended a conference or a trade show or something of that nature where the organizers were so chill and so well, organized. So I want to say thank you to them for sponsoring the podcast leading up to HempFest, for providing me with a space to do my podcast right on the floor, and for being mutually supportive of people in the industry and media. So thanks a lot, HempFest. All right, this is the first of a series of interviews that I recorded at HempFest in Calgary this past weekend. This one features Nick Nedden, formerly of the Cannabis Act podcast. He's now launched a new project called the Flower Hour Podcast. Nick was streamed in live via Skype, so those of you who were at the event were able to actually watch Nick and listen to him. Nick's probably one of my favorite media people in the cannabis space. He's genuine, he's knowledgeable, and he's a funny guy. Nick gives us a little background on his new podcast, talks about the industry, and we even get a little political near the end. More of these interview-style podcasts recorded at HempFest will be dropping over the next few weeks, so stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the podcast. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Mike? Um, well, HempFest just opened the doors about 20 minutes ago, and uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Are, are people as late as I expect them to be? Or? Well, we actually opened the door late, uh, which was kind of funny, too. So, um, <laughs> Awesome. You know, it's just the way it goes sometimes. But oh. uh, lots of people here quickly. I mean, That means everyone's having a good time, right? Yeah, they must have had a lineup at the door. So tell me, Nick, what's going on in your life lately? Uh, I am, uh, I've launched a new podcast. Okay. Uh, I was, uh, with the Cannabis Act podcast and, uh, I decided to go in a different direction with the, uh, a different podcasting, uh, experience, I guess. So me and uh, the sound engineer from the original podcast, Tim Nada, yeah. uh, have decided to start our own podcast and it's, uh, going really, really well. We, we have one episode out and two more in the can that are ready to go and we're, uh, leaking them out slowly and we will have a whole bunch of really fun people on in the next little while. But our first episode was, uh, Craig wiggins yeah. aka blue from the catalyst he's a smart dude you know i, I love yeah. to talk cannabis but when that guy's talking i'm always like mm -hmm, i'm the student all of a sudden <laughs> if yeah, you know what i mean he's, uh, he's so smart but at the same time like he's so good on mike for not having a ton of experience on mike like he's better than i am yeah <laughs> yeah well we were missing you um, all summer really yeah it was there was a, a little bit of a lull there but uh i had other business dealings that i had to take care of and mm -hmm. uh now i'm ready to rock and going really well so what's the premise of the new podcast break it down for me so the, so the new podcast is uh it's it's a little bit different than the last one we're gonna we're less newsy we're gonna t be talking to people kind of a, more about their lives and what they're into and what they nerd out about yeah so we wanted to do something that was a little bit more technology and popular culture focused uh but at the same time do something that is cannabis through that lens so we're definitely high in every episode <laughs> uh and we just we kind of sit down and riff and Tim and I have been friends since we were like six years old. So we are kind 
gonna there's gonna be some inside jokes that nobody except from for our hometown are gonna get but yeah. then there's also like lots of fun we're just we want to talk about what we're passionate about and what we love and that's uh popular culture music technology and kind of the intersection of that with cannabis i like it it seems like a natural uh evolution now you guys um you know because y- you guys formerly with the cannabis act and and me and other podcasts we were all very kind of hardcore cannabis right and now we're going how do we yeah. evolve a bit and have cannabis in our podcast still be um into the cannabis space but provide more to the listener that's kind of what you're doing i guess right it's always cannabis themed but it's got a broader sort of spectrum of topic content yeah it's uh we we just wanted to be able to like there's so many fun people in this industry and yes. they have such like a broad interest base and cannabis is always something that kind of intersects with everything else and that's what i found in my career and i wanted to like be able to do something that was a little bit more fun and a little bit more personality driven yeah okay so are you gonna is it gonna be kind of hyper local as well like you know capture the sort of spirit of what's happening in windsor and the surrounding areas uh we are definitely going to be aiming local a lot more so uh in our second episode we have leo lucher on he's a local activist uh he has owned multiple dispensaries uh that have run outside the legal regime mm-hmm. so uh he's going to be the first local on but we're gonna we're gonna focus local we're gonna focus a little bit more towards michigan as well oh. uh, we're right across the border and we have like a very very cool experiment going on in michigan so we want to check that out a lot more okay craig have anything to do with that one or the guys from the catalyst uh yes uh, he's introduced me to a few people okay. uh the the community in michigan is actually a lot older than the canadian cannabis industry in ontario at least yeah. uh the hash bash in ann arbor has been going on for like 35 years uh cleo michigan hosts the uh high times cannabis cup every year so michigan has like a really great scene it's almost like colorado in a lot of ways it's a lot of outdoorsy guys with beards and uh extracting cannabis it's it's fun um illinois is going legal uh for recreational on january 1st what what's the scene right now with michigan where are they at with with recreational legalization so recreational legalization in michigan is going to be starting in the next month or two uh so right now there's medical dispensaries and getting your medical card is not a difficult thing to do in michigan compared to some other jurisdictions uh but right now you are allowed to grow 12 plants per person at home oh in michigan which as you can imagine has created micro economies uh very very quickly yeah um and then people with medical license can grow up to 75 plants in their homes that's a lot that's a lot of weed it it is so (laughs) what what, what you're seeing in michigan is a very interesting kind of blending of the medical system and our kind of our acmpr or our mmpr mmar yeah but they're doing it at a much bigger level uh so it's going to be very interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out in michigan wow okay yeah you know what the u.s i think um that's another theme too like we were all very canadian centric before uh and now the u.s is kind of moving in motion and mexico as well is really taking strides towards legalization hemp for sure now there's talk of of cannabis in general um Mm -hmm. it's interesting to sort of take your passion for podcasting and interviewing and move it over into the u.s move it into mexico and other markets well windsor windsor's an interesting city uh kind of my joke about windsor has always been where that where detroit's best suburb um so we are like i grew up with family in michigan and family all over the state so it's kind of natural and what's been going on in michigan is really really interesting and it has not gotten enough press in uh around here hey is that jackie it is I figured I would bring the webcam today so I could show people who's looking at them when they're being interviewed. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah, people are starting to really roll in here now at HempFest. Awesome. Yeah. So they have the Cannabis Cup this time around. You've probably heard lots about it. Five, yes. five judges. I think thirty-three submissions from home growers. Okay. And any thoughts? Any thoughts on this type of competition? What they're doing and uh, uh, the value of it. Let's say that. I, I love it. I think it's I think it's great. It kind of mixes like the 4-H festival with a like a wine festival a little bit, and I, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to take pride in what they do, mm-hmm. and these kind of competitions can foster that that pride in a lot of ways. And it could be kind of our the leaders in our industry in the next 15 years are the people who come out of competition like that. Yeah, you know though, uh, no LP submitted any uh, samples. Surprised by that? Uh, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, it might be tough on the on the regulatory front for them to do that kind of first and foremost. Yeah, but perhaps. it's also uh if it was a blind tasting, they might be more enthused about doing that. Uh but it, having their name might might affect uh might put a finger on the scale in the wrong direction that they would want. Yeah, I guess you're kinda of rolling the dice right. Especially if you send yeah. something and it ends up not being your best batch or whatever. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden everyone yeah. says, Hey, Joe Homegrow just beat out Aurora or Canopy and the cannabis cup you know what would that say but at the same time people growing at a home growth scale have an advantage on quality they're able to slate like it's would you rather have like a, a soup that's cooked at home in a crock pot in a small batch or would you rather have Campbell's soup like I'm, I'm gonna take the home cooked stuff it's just how it is yeah I, i'm not sure if i told you this or not before but uh when i interviewed brad martin in my house uh pancake nap he brought me a couple of his own samples he said here try these these are what i grow and uh mm-hmm. that was like the paradigm shift for me you know everyone goes on about home grow home grow and i'm always like ah, i'll just go buy it i'm you know i don't want to grow plants but when i tried that i was like geez there really is a difference between you know, people who know how to do home grow and what's being mass produced right now in LPs, mm. I don't know if there's a comparison there. And, you know, maybe no. Brad Martin's a bad example because he's very hardcore. Um, but if a lot of people are growing stuff like that at home, wow, that changes the game. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where if you start looking at how people make things at home, mm-hmm. people can take pride. They can focus on small batch and quality com- comes in small batches. It doesn't come in mass production. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a distinct advantage for a home grower in a lot of ways and if you know what you can do and you can range in your craft and range in what where you're growing yeah muscle top you're probably going to do really well um i've had some home grow stuff actually i've had some outdoor home grow from molly from the canalist yeah and it's incredible like just flavorful like like my grandmother's uh compost pile kind of like smells coming out of it so the, you could do some amazing is, is that stuff a good thing home. your grandma's compost pile smells yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that rotting, the rotting peppers, and the, like that—that that kind of earthy smell of like kind of noble rot. Like that's it. Was, it was amazing. You know, when we approached legalization and everybody was talking about growing your own. Um, my thought, I guess the way I looked at it was everyone that I know that makes their own wine can't compete with, with you know, larger scale winemakers. And I thought, why would I, why would I consume home grow when there's going to be people with millions and millions of dollars out there making cannabis? And I realized I was totally wrong. At least at this stage in the professional game, there's just yep. no comparison. There's some good growers out there. There's your Broken Coast, you know, the ones we always say, the Tantalus is the... Yep. But I just assumed, how could they compete? But at this st- stage of the game, maybe it's because the market and the the whole system is just too brand new and, and the bigger players just don't have the technology, the history, the strains. I think I think part of it is, in that way, is genetics. Um, 
the kind of the the beginning parts of our LP system came from all of the same pool of genetics. Yeah. And there was a lot of people involved in these companies who really didn't know how to manipulate those genetics and play with those genetics and do things like that. So uh, their first mover advantage in R&D isn't really what it should have been because they were everyone kind of got to play with that same small pool. And in with a home grower who might have been back crossing something for the last five years and trying to stabilize something really great you can do that at home it's it's not easy but you can do it and there's people who have ranged in their own genetics who have done some really interesting things and this our community shares and that sharing has allowed people to kind of create their own lines of genetics and that's amazing uh i think that should be celebrated and like we should bring those people into the system yeah yeah get us up to speed for those who don't live in ontario what's happening right now with the retail system where are you guys at uh so we have 24 stores in ontario um and that is woefully inadequate and we now have a lottery <laughs> you don't 50, say 50 50 more stores have apparently been chosen and there's now a legal battle over how that happened and i it's it's a mess mm -hmm. um so at best we're gonna have 75 stores within the next six months in That's ontario um it's laughable. And when you look at it's it's laughable especially when you it's the population people look at the population and they say that's the biggest problem is like we're not servicing the population. Yeah. But it's also Ontario is a very difficult province to administrate from that regard because we're so physically large. Okay. And people from Alberta especially not to crap on Albertans in Alberta, uh, they really don't understand the immensity of the province. Yeah. And to solve a problem across that immense of a landmass is really difficult. And there's almost five different Ontarios within Ontario. And they're not servicing four out of those five different Ontarios. And it, it, it's a real big problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, we always like to think of ourselves here in Alberta as uh, leading the pack and being lucky and all the rest of it. But, and you know, we were all chomping at the bit in Alberta because they, they had that freeze on licenses for a while and we had a limited number of stores but now in you know i live 20 minutes north of calgary in a place called airdrie and in the last couple of months they have blown up there's they're everywhere and now i almost have a little concern for the for the license holders are you going to be okay in the long run well, yep. this this happened in Alberta actually already once, and that that's when you guys deregulated liquor. Yeah. Um, and oh, I forgot you. You're from here. Oh, I know. So I, you lived here. I were I worked for the company that is now Alcana actually. Yeah. Okay. So um, what that company did for liquor was when deregulation came, a lot of stores opened. And when those stores went out of business, Liquor Depot or Liquor Stores Group bought up those stores in a essentially a large land, like like space grab. It okay. became the biggest conglomerate in Alberta. So what we're probably going to see is the winners are going to win and the losers are going to lose and the large conglomerates are going to kind of eat those stores. And not all of them will be around, but there will be a, a consolidation, most likely in Alberta, over the next two to three years. And the people who do their business and run tight are probably going to get through and the ones that haven't figured that out, yeah. well, sadly, I mean sadly, are going to end up being a chain. I'm, I'm a big proponent of supporting the mom and pops. You know, we have friends in Alberta who have mom and pop pot stores, and uh, yes. I believe in that. Um, yes. But it, it's going to be a struggle, and it's going to come down to customer service, and you know, and, and keeping your clients around and serving them and having the products they want, keeping your ear to the ground. Um, I think there's a lot of people who applied for licenses, got them, and now they're sitting back in stores thinking, put my feet up, and the customers will come in. I went to one just the other day on uh, Country Hills Boulevard, and the... Yeah, the guy barely paid attention to us. He had nothing on the shelves. He's, you know, got a license. And that's that's the other side of it, though. There's the 
passionate cannabis person like Ryan Roach, who got his license, and now it's everything for him, and he's putting you know all his efforts into it. And then there's all these other shops that are they're, they're no different than your sort of generic liquor store you'll see on a street corner. Yep. You know, and there's the prices are not good, um, the service is not good. You know, the inventory that they have is very general, and they're not very knowledgeable about it. And and those are the guys I think that are uh, going to dilute the system and probably not survive. Oh. <laughs> I hear Chris Ford on the stage. Here, I'll let you take a look. <laughs> oh, I got, awesome. a, I got a thing right in front of me there. Anyway, the main stage is about uh, three booths down from me, so I think I'm going to have a bit of a noise pollution war going on here. No worries. Yeah, I, I think you guys are going to see a lot of consolidation in Alberta, but I think it's going to be a great... It's, an, it's a better experiment than what we're doing in Ontario, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. You know, love the uh, former provincial government or not, a lot of people here don't, but I have a feeling that if it wasn't them in power when legalization happened, um, who knows how it would have been different with a conservative government. I just don't think it would have opened up the same way it did. Probably not. Um, it doesn't seem that conservatives have much of a plan on cannabis overall. They don't seem to communicate, be communicating it, that's for sure. At least they kept the momentum going. I'll give them credit for that uh, in the Alberta level. But federally, it seems like the party doesn't really have much of a plan other than keeping their mouth shut about it. For now. And that, that isn't a good thing for us if they were... For I don't think it's a good thing for the industry if the conservatives get in. That's just my 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 personal feeling on it. If you don't talk about it in your campaign, it probably means that you you're going to put it on the back burner in your policy. Yeah. Well, I went to um, a luncheon here with the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, and it was uh, Andrew Shear who was the guest of honor, I guess you could say. And I, you could send questions in, and mine, of course, was, "What's your stance on cannabis legalization?" I already knew the answer. I just wanted him to address it, <laughs> and uh, he straight yeah. up said, "I'm I'm 100% against it." You know. So if elected, I can't imagine I'll put the brakes on the potential of tax revenue coming in in a new form. But um, yeah, I don't think it'll be good for the industry, for sure. Um, I mean, it's not surprising that, that Andrew Shear put a bummer on a event. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you'd ask from the liquor industry, he would have had a very different answer. But yeah, it's, it's too bad that, that leadership can't wrap their heads around how good this is for people in our generation. Yeah. Um, we, we've kind of been handed like a, the shit end of the stick in a lot of ways, and cannabis is a bright spot for us. And you have somebody who, I mean, Andrew Shear is not that much older than I am, and for him to pretty much just go, well, that's just not something I'm interested in, but we're not going to, we're not going to, like, you know, give, throw a bone to the millennials and the people a little older than millennials to give them this new industry and make sure that it works. Uh, it's, it's, it's disheartening, but hopefully we, uh, uh, I don't want to say we because I have no political affiliation, but I hope I hope that the the other two parties somehow form a coalition and can make sure that uh, cannabis legalization continues to move forward, and hopefully we can look at decriminalizing other substances down the road. I would agree with that. So would Dana Larson. Um, you know, I think that, and I'm no expert, but if I'm going to make a, a a guess, I'm going to say it's going to be a liberal minority on October 21st. That would be my guess. I don't know that Sheer is a guy yet. That will get no complaints from me. Yeah, so there you go. Um, where do we find your podcast? Uh, you can find my podcast on iTunes, Google Music, Spotify. Uh, our website is a blog spot that I can't name off the top of my head, but uh, check us out on Twitter at uh, Flower Hour Pod. Check us out on Instagram at Flower Hour Pod. Uh, check me out at I Am Nedden on both of those platforms as well. We don't do Facebook because uh, we just don't like Facebook. 
So uh, sorry, people who are still on that platform, get Twitter, get Instagram, and hook up with us. Well, Facebook has completely locked me down for the rest of my life So um, for, yeah. for doing cannabis-related podcast posts. So uh, there's no value in it, I don't think. In yeah. any case, thanks for doing this, man. Definitely your, your podcast. And you are worth subscribing to. Uh, if there's one thing I've always said about you, it's uh, all subject matter aside, I just like listening to you chat, man. You're a great guy. Thank you, man. And I, I love your show, and I love listening to you chat as well. And uh, we should do this more and figure out a way to do it more. 100%. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Thanks again to Nick for taking the time out of his Friday evening to Skype in and join us at Hempfest in Calgary. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Flower Hour podcast. Nick's a gem, and his podcasts are fantastic. And if you like what I do, make sure you subscribe to me too. And if you have a business and you'd like to reach out to all of my subscribers, send me an email, michael at distinctmedia.ca, and I will send you a media kit. Thanks a lot. The media contributors within the Cannabis Media Collective do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for any inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself. 